Los Angeles, are you ready to confess? Because guess what? We are going back on tour. That's right. LA is our first stop on October 21st at the Terragram Ballroom. Doors open at 6 o'clock. Bring your homies, bring your girls, bring your partner, and bring those confessions because the night is going to be filled with naughty little secrets, and you know how we turn up at a good mom show. So I cannot wait to see you. That's October 21st at the Terragram Ballroom. Click the link in this episode description and get your tickets today. There's a lot of layers here, but if you had any type of like traumatic birth, that is a whole layer that you are adding on to trying to get back into your own skin. Um, because even someone just putting their fingers inside of your body to check your cervix when it's you don't want it, it's not a medical necessity, or and someone didn't even ask for your informed consent, what do we call that? Assault, Assault. rape, rape. Right. Assault. <laughs> rape. And so we have a lot of this rape culture that has leaked into the birth room. And then we send people home with their babies and go, now get back to fucking. Right. right. Welcome back to Good Moms, Bad Choices. I'm Erica. And I'm Mila. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day, bitches. That's aggressive. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I feel like we've said that many times. I think at this point they know that bitch is a term of endearment. Somebody probably would listen for five seconds and was like, turning this shit off. (laughs) Come back. (laughs) Just kidding. We only say bitch 22,000 times in one hour. You have no idea how like we we start the retreat. Like, hi, welcome to our retreat. Welcome, bitches. I'm like, this is means goddesses in our language. We've had a lot of before pep talks when we do um, proper things like Public speaking, where we like okay, don't say bitches, don't say bitch, don't say bitch, don't say, don't bitch. say fuck, don't say fuck, don't say bitch, don't say anything bad don't about Jesus, don't say pussy, <laughs> don't don't say anything mean about the Christians <laughs> or the whites, don't do that. Oh yeah, <laughs> don't say anything about the whites. Someone, someone, we had, now we had whites at our retreat. We always have white people at a retreat. We have white people in our community. We have best friends that are white, but we're always like, this is not white people shit. And someone was like, so they asked Aaron our our white friend at the retreat like did you feel a way that they kept saying white people shit someone asked her that yeah well, who's trying to instigate she was like she asked me she's like i wanted to really ask Je- juicy J and aaron if they felt offended about you saying white people shit i was like they're here there's no way they could be offended by it i was like they know they already know what they're coming into they're our friends they know some shit is white people shit too that's true <laughs> Uh, you know, one thing about us is we're going to tell it how it is, and we've been doing it for five years, and now we're pretty confident in saying all the all the non the non PC things online. I'm I'm proud to be a non PC person. <laughs> I'm working on it. My boyfriend tells me all the time, "Do you need PC training?" And I do. <sighs> how are you? What's going on? I'm good. I'm still tan, so I'm happy about that. Me too. I feel like sun-kissed goddess. I'm, my lips are glossing. We had a podcaster in our studio um, one, one hour before this, and I was looking at her on the screen. She's so fucking gorgeous. Shout out to Unglamorous Truths Podcast. And I was looking at her lips, and I was like, I want my lips to look as glossy as hers when, I'm, when it's my turn to record. So maybe I've accomplished it. Shout out to Good Good Media, our studio manifestation that we're sitting in. If you, too, are looking for a place to record your P 
PC or non-PC podcasts, <laughs> we welcome both <laughs> right here in Studio City, California. And if you don't know what Studio City, California, it's LA. Because some people, I feel like when people hear Studio City, if they're not from here, or if they maybe are, they just moved here, they're like, where the fuck is Studio City? It's Hollywood Hills. <laughs> We're south of the boulevard. So it's Hollywood Hills. You know where that is, don't you? I do. I do. <laughs> What's wrong with us? I just got some really good news. So suddenly I'm just very chipper. <laughs> A bitch is automatically happy. Wow, it's crazy how life can life and bring you down. The man's always trying to bring us down with bills and applications and stuff. Responsibilities. Responsibilities. I literally told my friend the other day, I told Danielle, I was like, I don't want to die or anything, but... What? I'm sick of living. Can you please never start a conversation like that? I literally you told her... You're sick, of, you're sick of living. I was like, I like living and shit, but like the responsibility of being an adult is over-fucking-whelming. And every time I think about it, it never ends. It's never going to end. As long as I'm... The future of my life is adults. Well, I think you just have to embrace it. And you have to just get into it and stop I, rejecting it. I know. Life will keep fucking with you the longer you keep trying to reject it. I've been giving myself a lot of pep talks. Like, we're adults now. You're a big girl. You got to do stuff. You're going to be rich soon. <laughs> Everything's going to be okay. You're going to live in a mansion just like the white people. And their only worries are going to be like, you know, like vegan ice cream or regular. You know, I keep telling myself that. But every time like adult shit happens, then I start crying and i'm like it's not true you're not an adult yet you are i know i've been telling myself this for 15 years you are an adult you couldn't wait to grow up when you were fucking being a little hoochie so now you're fucking grown now grow you know me you know my life now grow up you little hoochie i'm an adult it's time to grow up you want to be grown you want to be grown i'm an adult hoochie you are a grown-ass hoochie i'm a married hoochie i'm an adult wife hoochie hoochie wife I didn't to put that on my bio. <laughs> the hoochie wife. Um, actually, me and Orlando started a couples podcast because we're still, I mean, not a cup podcast. Whoa. A couples Instagram because we're corny as fuck. And it's called Hoochie Mom and Dad. So if you haven't followed it yet, at Hoochie Mom and Dad. <laughs> you, could, you couldn't tell us. Sasha told us that name in Miami. She's like, you guys are like Hoochie Mom and Dad. So I'm like, that's it. That's the name. <laughs> We were so proud. We couldn't wait to change the name. We're like, yeah, Hoochie Mom and Dad. I like that. It's catchy. Isn't it? <sighs> anyway. Well, you guys, um, it is not Hoochie August. It is Bad Birthing August. Badass Birthing Badass August. Badass Birthing August. And I'm super duper excited because we have a special guest today. Highly requested guest, actually, from the community. We have Flor Cruz, a.k.a. Badass Mother Birther on instagram um because that's how people recognize people these days so welcome <laughs> to the show floor hey, hi welcome queens. thank you for having me and floor is a birth educator she's a doula she's a mom of four or five 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 Ooh, shit you are a saint <laughs> you really are <laughs> oh my god damn actually i was reading your story and like you got you like you got pregnant like r- quickly after like having your like your one of your children, and I was telling Mila, I was like, she, she was reading. She, she was reading it to me at breakfast. She was like, ten months she, postpartum. She had another baby. Woo! I oh, said she bitch, must. I, cried. Be, I said she must be crazy. I, cried. I was. In tears. I was like, she I must was really. She must. Tears. She must really love this shit because <laughs> holy shit! Nah, man, I just love my man's dick. Like, that's, <laughs> that's really all it boiled down to. Amen. And but I did cry. I was very in tears and just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so overwhelming. Like this is a lot really fast. What baby number was that? That was baby number three. 
Mm. Ooh, girl, I commend you. So you had just had baby number three, and this was baby number four. That was, you thought you were. Yeah, okay, so one of my kids is my husband's first from his marriage. So that's my, my, the child that I didn't have to give birth to. Your bonus child. My my bonus child. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so my second one was a C-section, and then I got pregnant 10 months after my C-section. And so that was my first VBAC baby. So I had her, like, 20 months postpartum, I was pop, already popping out another kid. Well, you know, you probably Ooh. did it right. All your kids are close in age. They're they like, are. They yeah. really are. Yeah. So I'm so, I, first of all, I'm obsessed with your Instagram. Are you? I am. And I think Mila too. Mila's been obsessed with birth since the moment I, well, before I met her, but since the moment I met her, I was like, she was showing Luna birth videos and like, look at this. And I was like, okay, whoa. <laughs> Did you think that was aggressive of me? I mean, I I had I had never considered showing my child like my baby other like babies being born, and it wasn't like it was definitely like okay, well it shouldn't be weird, but I I for sure was like okay, this is a bit much, but obviously if you ask me now, I don't think it's much. I may have scarred her for life because she, <laughs> she doesn't want to have kids. She now. doesn't want to have kids. I, think, <laughs> I was like shit, maybe I shouldn't have given shown her birth videos at three. <laughs> I think as adults we process that stuff different because we've spent our whole lives not seeing it and not being exposed. To it, and so it feels different in our body. But smaller children are not really born afraid of birth, and they understand things a lot differently than adults do, and they're not scared of it. That's true. And so when mm-hmm. they see it, it's like, oh, it's a baby being born, as opposed to an adult that hasn't been exposed to that their whole life, and they see birth as a scary medical event or gross. When they see it, they're like, holy shit, like this is a lot. To take in. Well, that's true because, like, I, I probably didn't see birth until, like, I actively went looking as an adult because right. I started to get, like, really curious about it. But, like, imagine not even, like, having any idea of what it looks like until right. you're in the birth room. That's why motherfuckers be passing out and shit. Right. Because they're like, oh, shit, this is crazy. And it is crazy. But, like, yeah, I think it's, like, a fear, a built-in fear because we haven't been exposed to it. Right. And the research backs that up. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I was I was just reflecting on when was the first time I actually saw birth, and it was when I got pregnant. Right. It was not before because I, mm. a I, didn't, I never even considered having children like that until I had my uh, abortion, and then I was like, okay, maybe I do want kids, and then I got pregnant again, mm-hmm. and then I was like, okay, maybe I should see what this looks like, mm-hmm. and I remember being like, oh shit, this yeah. is terrifying. And maybe had I seen it when I was younger, it would obviously have been more normal ha- normalized. How old are your kids? My oldest is 17, and then I have a 12-year-old, a 7-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 3-year-old. Do they look oh. at, Have they seen your Instagram page? And yes, and actually at my last home birth, my other younger two were there with me when I was giving birth to them. And I really felt confident in doing that because they have seen a lot of the birth images. I really helped them to understand what they're going to be seeing, uh, the sounds that are possibly going to be coming out of me, Mm. um, the fluids, uh, the people who are there with me helping me give birth. And so they were just as cool as a cucumber. And the baby came out and he was like, can I go play Nintendo? <laughs> As I'm on the floor holding their baby brother. I'm like, That's yeah. something they're like, that's done. That's like, over. It was, you know, nothing shocking for them. But I think it's really hard when you are finding out that you're pregnant and trying to process 
what you should have known your whole life in a, in a span of nine to nine 10 months. months. That's really fucking hard. Well, because it's already like there's so much changing change happening in your body already. Yes. And then you see this video for the first time. You're like, And then it almost seems like, oh, no, <laughs> this is what I have to look forward to at the end of this. It seems like daunting. Mm-hmm. And that was the reason like I, I think I really started showing Luna birth, too, because I was like, you will be my doula when it's time for me to have another baby. So I was trying to like even animal births, like yeah. just trying to show it, like normalize it as much as possible, because I realized like. You want Luna to be your doula? Yeah. That's a big responsibility. Totally impossible. I mean, you you could do it. You will be my doula. (laughs) She wants to, I think. (laughs) I think. I want her to be my support, one of my support people. Well, of course, yeah. Totally Not like my soul doula. Like, I'll give you, listen, it's way cheaper if I let Luna do it. (laughs) And as a doula, I've had lots of clients who have hired me who already have kids. And my job as their doula was to also help the child understand Mm. and give them certain jobs during the birth, Mm. like bringing water or giving massage or just putting a hand on the parent's shoulder. They like to be involved in a lot of that stuff. But I think that also leads them into understanding bodily autonomy, Mm. which is a whole nother leg, because especially if you have a child who has a uterus, that child is going to have a menstruation and possibly abortions and miscarriages, pregnancies, right? All of these things. And so you you want to build that foundation of like, this is a person giving birth and this is a person who has taken the choice and the bodily autonomy to do this in this location with this person and showing them all of those things. So it can lead into a multitude of different conversations with your kids. And, you know, just for those that are listening that aren't familiar with uh, Floor's Instagram, I want you, if you don't know Floor's Instagram, I want you to pause the episode (laughs) right the fuck now. (laughs) And I want you to go on Instagram and I want you to look up Badass Mother Birther because your Instagram is very, it's, for lack of a better word, graphic. Yes. Um, It really shows all facets of birth. and. Personally, I have a question, and this is just selfishly my question, because how the fuck are you not flagged? Because not, <laughs> that, I want, not that I want you to be flagged. I want you, I want, I think what you do is so important. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious because we can't even post a side titty without <laughs> yeah, even right. getting flagged. And so I, you must have a boyfriend I who wants all the time. I'm like, how is it that I can witness birth on Instagram, but my side titty is flagged? Well, interesting, because <clears throat> when I first started wanting to show more graphic stuff, that really was the issue at that time, was that Facebook and Instagram were gatekeeping a lot of this shit and didn't want to show any of that stuff. But then you can go watch someone be murdered right, and all kinds of other shit on other people's channels. right. And so um, Katie Vigos is from Empowered Birth Project, and she started a whole campaign to have Instagram and Facebook change their policies in regards to birth, postpartum, and lactation. Mm. And so they included that as part of the community guideline once that happened. But the problem now is is that the robots don't recognize Mm. what is sexual nudity versus birth, postpartum, and lactation. And so when that policy changed, I just so happened to be the person that they sent, like, this page is directly childbirth education. Please protect it. Mm. So they put this layer of protection around uh, my page every once in a while shit sneaks in there because the robot doesn't really understand but i did have this good layer of protection that was keeping the instagram floating got it i think i follow her too katie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i'm curious I, I was reading up on you and um 
I know that, you know, your first birth was a C-section and mine was not, mine was also a C-section. My first was a vaginal. Or what was a vaginal? And the second one was a C-section. Oh, second Mm -hmm. C-section. I know that you you said your first generation, uh, your family moved from, I said, does your son have your Nicaragua. Nicaragua. I always think because I think in like Latin American countries, and maybe this is me being ignorant about birth in Latin American countries, but I feel like there's a lot more home birthing at home or birthing yes. at home. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, it was, was that ever something that kind of was in your home life uh, growing up? Like did, did your parent, like were you born at home mm-hmm. or your parents born? I was a C-section baby and so was my sister. My brother was a vaginal birth. But the thing is, is that when your parents come from a country where they lack access to medical care, and then they finally get to a country to where they have medical care. They overuse they it. Got, they overuse it. Right? They yeah. It's yeah. like, over, why wouldn't you want to have your baby in a hospital? Well, mm-hmm. America like pin, like dresses it up right. like that you have a privilege and doctors will dress it up like you're so privileged to have right. access to, right. to uh, just like vaccinations and hospital mm-hmm. care like if anything goes wrong right. you're American exactly like, so George over here can birth my baby and clock out at 8 o'clock like fuck out of here and that's exactly what it was it's like well we're in America now and like we need to like get all this access and so but my grandmother did have lots of home births and gave birth to her children all naturally and vaginally it's just what was done you hired a partera and that was that was it it was normal it was childbirth but then when we start moving back this way to our original homelands right that were like stolen from us things change because we we start to think that the degrees and the medicalization is top tier shit. Mm. But if you look at the numbers, it hasn't been top tier shit for quite some time. Right. Right. And so we have to look at what is the foundation of the systems that we're birthing in. And foundationally, it's a system that was built on um, torturing enslaved black women. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. a whole nother layer that people aren't discovering. Right. No, no, people, I mean, they, you know, America likes to sweep a lot of shit under the carpet. Oh, I don't. (laughs) I like to talk about it openly because it's like, we can't be shocked at where we are in this nation with birth. You have to look at the fucking foundation. Okay. Dr. Sims, the, you know, father of gynecology Mm -hmm. was performing surgeries on enslaved black women in the 1840s without anesthesia. Because they 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 thought we didn't feel pain or that we were like subhuman. And all of that still carries into the systems that people birthing are, are birthing in currently today. Absolutely. They feel like, oh, like if you're a minority, you may not you have money. They, they don't take they don't prioritize your your pain or like your like whatever you're saying about how you feel. They're just like they know better than you or they assume they know better than you. And women are dying, you know, yes. like and, and, and like I, I know I'm sure you've seen that documentary about that husband and wife, the black couple and the wife died during childbirth. And oh, he, Kira Johnson. Yeah. Yes. And just that, like, I think sometimes as, like, people of color in America, we have this, um, we have this idea that if we assimilate and we talk like this and we talk like them and I, I, you know, I'm a professional and I have a good job and I drive a car or whatever the fuck the things are that you think that you have to check off the box to be respected in Mm -hmm. this, this country, you know what I mean? So we do those things to assimilate to whiteness and still, you know, you're still like put in positions where you're, you know, you're, you die in childbirth or in medical care. You're You're still black. You're You're still still black. You're still black at the end of the day. You can assimilate all you want. And it really doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter your education, how much money you make. It doesn't matter because the foundation is still fucking there. 
In order to get rid of that, you'd have to burn the whole fucking system down and start all over. Mm. Who's going to fucking do that? Mm. And, and, and that's another thing. Like, um, I watched another documentary. I, I don't know if it's from uh, the business of being born, but there, you know, there's like talking about the history of uh, just the history of childbirth in this country was like when they created OBGYNs and they're like, they need some shit to do. They're like, because there's not a lot of surgeries happening on vaginas. So they're like, I know what we'll do. We'll cut open we'll cut open pregnant women. And they had they started a campaign, a propaganda campaign against black midwives. And they like put these images on posters that were like, you want a mammy, a aunt your mama birthing your baby? Or do you want to come to the hospital? <laughs> and, they still, and they still do that shit. Mm. You know, so they, they, they put they put these images in places so that it made it seem that, you know, you're doing something like unsterile or like some back end bullshit when in fact, like OBGYNs are relatively new, you know, like for thousands of years, people have been been being birthed. Yes. Humanity and be, has and been being utilizing midwifery care. Right. Because you're talking about a system that tried to take over and then also try to tell black people that they couldn't birth within that system. And so. Go fuck yourself. Mm. And so this is where black and midwives started to come in to help the community, right? But we know that a direct tool to helping people now is accessible midwifery care, independent midwifery care with black midwives. We know that that's a tool. But, you know, the government's going to turn a fucking blind eye to it because that's what they fucking like to do. Um, the state of Alabama really, really badly needs access to midwives. They have one of the worst maternal and infant mortality rates. I was born in Montgomery, Alabama. Yes. Mm. One of the worst and rates. It was, and it was racist then. In the 88, my mom... Of course. My mom it was, still is. My mom wasn't married. She was in college. And because they weren't married, they wouldn't let my dad come into the, the labor room. And she was like 22 in college. And like she was... Al- Can you imagine being, being alone... alone giving birth with doctors you don't know. And the, in fact, the first hospital she went to, they turned her away. She had to drive to Montgomery. Like there was like a, you know, to a bigger hospital. And still they, because they weren't legally married, they wouldn't let him come into the room. And like, I think about that sometimes, but like, <clears throat> you know, we're all, you know, spiritual and shit, but we'd, I haven't like considered where, where the parent was in the process of birth and how that imprints on you as an, like it's as a trauma, an, as an infant. Yeah. It's a trauma <laughs> that's passed down to you. Mm-hmm. That's then passed down to your child. So it's like all this generational trauma since way back then gets passed down from generation to generation to gen- generation, which causes, you know, that excess pain that we're feeling during childbirth that we don't know where it's coming from. It causes the pelvic floor to kind of lock up lock to up. hold the baby from descending, right? And this is just part of the trauma playing out physically and it's not a failure within our own bodies that we can't birth our babies it's this generational trauma that Mm. has been passed down from person to person to person and the system within itself isn't making it better right because you're asking someone to leave their home in the middle of labor which in and of itself is the first intervention our bodies really don't feel don't feel comfortable leaving our homes in the middle of labor <clears throat> to birth our child to go to get in a car to birth in a place where there's strangers where you've never been lights sounds and the place it's the place where you associate with death 
disease, sickness, and there's a hierarchy that's in there, right? You are speaking to my whole experience. Yes. And when I read your, your C-section experience was very similar to Mm -hmm. mine. And I remember like I, my first instinct was to get a doula, but I was like very unsupported in that, in that Mm -hmm. idea. And it was my first child. I was 26. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, fine. I guess I won't, I'll give birth at home, but I'm going to, I don't want any sort of, you know, I want to give natural birth, but my, my doctor from the beginning was very, was talking about C-sections at like my third appointment. Grooming you and already. Was, yeah, grooming me. Mm-hmm. And then like, session. even after, you know, after I had my, my daughter and I went back was like patting herself on the back of like, look how small and clean the set, the scar that I gave you is like, I ne- would rather not have next this. time when you have your second child, okay. it'll be so easy. We'll just open that little oh, scar so up. Easy. It'll be open that little scar. No. But I was like, bitch, you think I'm coming back here? That is no, so that's morbid. Not gonna happen. Yeah. Like she was really, she kept talking about how she was known to create like very natural small incisions and that's what we have to understand too is that obis are surgeons you're hiring a surgeon to be a part of a process that is physiological Mm. the chances that it's going to end in surgery is big Mm. and that's just fact Mm -hmm. well obis are not trained in patients they're not trained they're like they're doing a job they're clocking in and clocking out and trying to get the fuck on with their training pathology and assessing risk at every corner, they think that the baby just coming out alive is the, the only win. thing. That right. when in reality, that's the bottom. If you had a, a house, a baby that's alive is in the fucking basement. Like there's so much more that we that we can be doing for people, even if even with the experience, because you have to understand that how you feel during the birth is going to directly affect the baby postpartum. The baby. You have to ask yourself why we live in a nation where the number, the, the, the one of the top reasons why parents die in the postpartum phase is suicide. Mm, I didn't even know that. Okay. Why are we not fucking talking about this? Mm-hmm. Why are we just brushing it under the rug? A lot of these things are directly correlated with how people are being treated. They're not being allowed to participate in their care. They don't want you to advocate. They don't want you to know your choices. They don't want you to to make informed decisions, to say no to anything. They want you to comply. And lay the fuck down. And lay the fuck down. And then when the baby doesn't come out, because the mammal generally doesn't like that whole scenario that you're put in, your body's going to protect your baby. It's not a failure of you. It's your body fucking works so fucking well that the baby's going to stay in, in, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, when when I got to the hospital, the first thing I did when they gave me my bed was cry. And my, everyone was like, why are you crying? And I was like, I'm terrified. Like, I'm, this is where people, I, that's exactly what I yeah. said. This is where people this is where die. People die. Yeah. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. This doesn't feel natural mm-hmm. to me. And I was already doing the unnatural thing and getting induced because my doctor said, oh, you've reached that special magical date that I told you mattered and your baby's getting too big. You won't be able to, you're going to end up getting a C-section if we don't induce you. And, you know, now, obviously, I'm a lot more knowledgeable and I would never have allowed anyone or anything right. to get in the way of what my intuition was telling me. Right. But when you don't have the information or and even I guess I had access to the information at that point, but I was really allowing p- other people's fear to make choices for me. Yeah. And it's it's just so unfortunate because I know that so many women encounter this where they mm-hmm. feel They've really lost the experience. And and I I still kind of mourn that. Like, 
I don't know if I want to have another child. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know. Totally valid. We'll see. But there is a part of me that I want that experience back yeah. that I didn't get. Right. Because like, in my mind, I had a whole idea. Obviously, you know, like God, you make plans and God laughs at that. But that was not the plan. Right. That was not God's plan. No, it was it, it, <laughs> That it wasn't. was Dr. Tally Body's plan. It okay? wasn't. <laughs> and... And she really didn't give a fuck about what what my plan was. She fear-mongered me because the moment I told her I want to have a doula, she said, do you know, or a midwife, she said, do you know how many dead babies I've delivered? <laughs> like, how, how? That was her, oh my for, that was, the, she's like, how well, traumatized. why don't you think about that for your second baby? For a first Not time, Not when I'm mom, 26 right. and healthy and capable. No. And that's the mindset that a lot of people um, have when they're having their first baby. They go, well, I have to see if my body works first before I give birth. Well, if you got home. pregnant, I think it works. Right? <laughs> and then you go to your, your OB and you talk about it and they go, oh, no, 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 no. Do not do midwifery. I do not support that. It's very dangerous. Well, because it so takes many money out of their pocket. I was going to say, it was kind of stupid for me to even ask her opinion because I was literally telling her I wasn't going to, like, I was, she was going to be out of some money for me, you know? So it's almost like you got to know better to just not even ask. You just got to do what you, you got to do. And that's not to say that you can't have a doula and if you choose to have a hospital birth, like you can have a doula you know, support you in that experience as well. And I think that's also a misconception mm-hmm. between, of, of you know, what, what people think doulas do. No, it's just, it's not just for people who want to have an unmedicated physiological birth. I've definitely had people hire me to have a scheduled C-section because they wanted the support. They wanted someone to walk them through the doors and say, I'm going to be right here with you and, and you know, I'm going to help you, you um, latch your baby <clears throat> as soon as the baby comes out and help you advocate. The role of the doula is what you want the role of the doula to be. Right. With whatever birth plan it is that you want. Because we know and the research shows us when someone is making their own choices and they are participating in their care, a lot of the time it's not the outcome of the birth, but how they were treated and felt throughout the whole fucking process. Right. So let's say if your second baby, you you plan out your birth, but you're going into it informed. You're doing all the things that you felt you were robbed from the first time. If in the event that 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 shit goes left, you probably will have a good feeling of like, I did what I could. And, you know, this this is how this baby needed to be born. I, I mean, for me, like I was 26 or 27 and I had already made up in my mind. I am not going to the fucking hospital. The doctor kept telling me, just go look at the maternity ward. I was like, I'm not going. I'm not going. I don't want to see it. I don't care. And you're not going to make me. She's like, just in case. I was like, not just in case, bitch. I'm going to. And I kept asking her, like, can you just be at my apartment building and happen to be in the area when I give birth at my house? <laughs> she was like, no, I'll lose my license. <laughs> but I had done a lot of research and like on hypnobirth, watched the business of being born. I had a friend, a close friend of mine who birthed two, a set of twins in her, you know, in her living room, like 12 hours apart. So I knew that I could do it. Yeah. I wrote out my birth plan. I was specific. Like, if I have to go to the hospital, don't offer me medicine. They didn't listen to any of that shit. And, you know, I end up having to I end up having to go anyway. And it was it was my first lesson in bitch. You make a plan and God says, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, overall, despite the fact I was induced because I had preeclampsia and I didn't want to be there, I did have a, a good I had a good experience at the hospital because from the jump, I let my doctor know. I was like, I'm young, but I'm not dumb. And and also, you have to think, like, as any medical professional, when you invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in your degree and your, and your certification, you don't want anybody to come tell you, like, no. about – what the, their home research no. you're protecting the degree and the money you've invested in this 100%. this white coat you know yes. and i just feel like 
you know, even though I didn't birth the way I want to and I like want to have another baby so I can do it at home, I do feel like birth is supposed to be so fucking empowering. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I, I always call it a, like a, a rite of passage. It's a human experience. It's a human experience. It's a rite of passage. There's like this there's this insane thing your body does that you just watch like literally women are the closest thing to God. It's fucking amazing. We literally are the portal from heaven to earth or wherever else, or wherever we come from that we are everyone's un- trying to figure it out mm-hmm. and so it's just like when you take like away your i feel like i feel like like the ob movement was like i don't know which came first like patriarchy but like it's it's it's, it's one and the same yes because you're you're removing the power from women physically yes. and in the most in, in a in a place in your life you're supposed to be the most empowered and the most like confident in your body and they're like no bitch just lay down and listen just to us lay down and listen and, and I'm here's like- the thing though but they've been grooming us all our lives to do that how many of us go to get a pap smear here's your little gown mm. lay down put your feet in the fucking stirrups and scoot your ass all the way down to the end of the table and i'm going to do what i need to do down here mm. so our whole lives we've been groomed to do this that to be way. On our back. To literally disconnect from our yes, bottom half. Absolutely. Literally put a paper towel, like put the paper over and look up at the sky. Yes, absolutely. You're literally preparing mm. for, to disconnect with the bottom half yes. of your body. And for women, I feel like our womb is our heart. Like this is like a very, it's very much connected. And if you mm-hmm. disconnect from that part of yourself, then you can fuck around and let anybody do anything because you're just like, fuck absolutely. it. And they do the same shit at birth. So then you go to give birth and when they tell you to do that, You've been doing it all your life, so you're just going to comply because you're used to it. So at some point, you have to realize, what is it that I want to do with my own bodily choices and my autonomy? My last pap smear that I had, I hired a midwife. I had her come into my home. She did my pap smear in my bed. Mm. I inserted the speculum myself. Mm. It was self-guided. And it was probably one of the most empowering experience I've ever had with having a pap smear. Mm. I didn't even think that you could do that. Yes. I didn't know that was an option. Look at your local midwives. A lot of them do um, self-guided pap smears and do it inside of your house. I had mimosas. <laughs> I had snacks. I made it into a whole vibe, bitch. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, yes, let's check out this pussy and see what's going on. I'm never going back to the dance. Yes. Can you yeah. tell our audience the difference between a doula and a midwife? So a doula is there to help advocate for you, to help support you in your choices, um, to help give you um, some education. Uh, they're there they're to give like physical support, emotional support, mental support. It, does, it really doesn't matter where. Some doulas do have their own boundaries. Some doulas will not go into a hospital system. Mm. And that's just that doula's own boundaries. Some just do home births, whatever the case may be. Um, but a midwife is more clinical. They're going to be doing like your blood tests and your blood pressure, your pulse, checking in on the baby. They're doing more of that clinical stuff. But a lot of midwives also do have a lot of that, that doulaness in them when they're at your birth. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't like. I I think I didn't even really understand. I had met with a when I got pregnant. I met with a doula, which I thought. Now they're thinking of. I thought she was going to be the one that was mm-hmm. going to be facilitating my birth, but I think a lot of people don't really know the differences between each. So right. To share I mean, that. there are some people that are called birth keepers, and and so they kind of show up in a different in a different facet. 
And a lot of them show up for people who are giving home birth. So it's almost like having a free birth, unassisted birth, but with someone who's there who a little know, bit who knows, more. Who knows some stuff. Right. And who, who knows a little bit um, more stuff, which free birth is also um, an option. Um, but I think whatever path you choose, you have to take this radical responsibility over your body and your baby. Mm. Right. Yeah. And that means getting educated and trying to gain access to things. But we live in a country that doesn't want to give us access. Mm. Makes it really fucking hard. No, they well, don't want to give us access and they want to shame us all the way around, all 100%. the way down, all the way down. I was looking on your website and you have education on failure to progress. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, wow, what a fucked up thing to say to someone yes. in pregnant, like in while they're, you know, trying to give birth. Yes. Like, Sorry, you failed to progress. So now we have to take work. Yeah. And actually, that, that's what happened to me. Me and I was like, I failed. Like, okay. Like, anyone who can actually <laughs> fail. Like, I didn't fucking, even take the test. I'm, like, I'm fucking giving birth. Or could we just wait a little bit longer? No. Okay. Yeah, because you have to ask yourself, well, why are we in such a fucking rush all the time? But when you're giving birth within a system and you are in their labor and delivery floor, you are taking a really fucking expensive real estate from them. Right. Yeah, that and bed. They want, they want that you to baby fucking out. They want their liability to be over, and they want you to fucking go home. They want to flip that room okay. and make that, and they want to make it sound grand. like the reason why it didn't happen for you is because your body failed, and your baby could die, and you could die, and that's yes. always that's always the the immediate always. the immediate go to because they know any any woman any mom is going to immediately be like no like it's like if you if you like that like if you even remotely suggest that that's a possibility our, of course our instinct is going to be like oh no well like, i don't want to do that yeah, and like, i don't want to be baby. the reason why my baby exactly died, right but here's the thing when someone's baby dies within a hospital there's no shame around that mm-hmm. from the community. Right. It's but if your baby dies at home. It's your fault. You're Now you're still dealing with the grief and also your community fucking ridiculing you for doing that and not just going to a hospital. And then you're thinking to yourself, like, did I fuck up? Is it right. me? And, and, you know, and a lot of people don't even. This is another thing is like babies die. Babies die. They do. And nature has a really high tolerance for death as opposed to us humans. We don't have a really high tolerance for death, you know, as it should be. Right. It's what keeps us alive and going. Right. But nature Mm. is nature. Right. And nature is going to do what it does. And a lot of times we don't know what it's going to do. Right. Uh, Early on in my doula career, um, I did witness a mother lose her baby in labor. And I didn't know how to process that. I didn't have the skills to process that. All I knew was that. Nature did its fucking thing and there were no answers and I just needed to show up for this for this mother. But I had a really hard lesson really early on in my doula career of how nature really doesn't give a fuck about us sometimes. No, it really fucking doesn't. That's a hard pill to swallow. It is. It is. But it's it's when you put it that way that nature doesn't have like doesn't. Nobody's exempt from nature. Right. Nobody's exempt from it. As much as we think we are. And no. As, and, and, and that's the thing. A lot of things in Western, like the medical system, are over-medicalized. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, unfortunately, I think, like, this is not a popular statement, but, like, the over-medicalization of birth is saving babies that maybe didn't and weren't supposed to be here. You know what I mean? It's, yes. You know what I mean? Like over- and, that's part, and that's also part of it, right, is that we have – we are saving a lot of babies that – and otherwise would have ended up in a miscarriage or a stillbirth or whatever whatever the case may be, right? And that's everyone's decision to decide. There are some people out there that 
don't want an intervention. They're like, if this is what nature is deciding for me, then this is what nature is deciding for me. But most people, if they are told that something could probably happen to your baby and we're, and we're going to intervene, yeah. And in, in those instances, we are really grateful to have intervention so people have that option, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're not saying we don't want access to interventions. We're saying stop fucking overloading us with fucking interventions that is then leading to poor outcomes and can lead your child being harmed or or dead right or even just you right because when i went to go have my v-back i was really adamant i was like i this this baby's coming out of my pussy period period (laughs) i don't go fuck what anybody has to say it's gonna it's gonna happen Right. But also I chose to be back because I know for me have or anyone having a repeat C-section is a higher risk Mm. of you dying. Mm. Right. And so I didn't even know that I had to have a conversation with my husband of like, I want to be alive. I want to be alive. And if it comes between me and the baby, always choose me. Damn. Always fucking choose me. Yeah. Because I have a family. I have friends. I have I have other kids. I need to be alive. And so for me, having a V-back was having access to safety and being alive. Mm. Mm. But if you ask most OBs, they'll be like, absolutely not. We're scheduling your, your yeah. repeat. Yeah, and then they'll scare you again. Like, yeah. your incision's going to burst when you try to push it through or absolutely. whatever. And this is, you brought up Kira Johnson uh, for Kira for Moms. Shout out. Um, and that was part of the system doing what it does. So instead of offering a VBAC and saying, hey, a VBAC could probably um, reduce your chances of hemorrhaging. Um, would you like the option to try for a VBAC? It was like, no, we're going to do a repeat C-section, and the repeat C-section leads to a hemorrhage, then to a system who doesn't want to listen to black parents. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's a real thing. It is. It is. That's why it's so important to really have so much. Do your due diligence and just sit with yourself and know exactly what the fuck it is you want and your body wants. Right. But that can be hard when you're like, when you're young and you don't even know who the fuck you are. You let, don't. Yeah. You know, um, we asked our patrons, um, a que- we asked them if they had any questions for you. And there was one that kept consistently coming up. Shout out to our patrons. Hey y'all. Um, they wanted to know if you guys had any, if you had any advice for newly pregnant moms, like what would be the one big big piece of advice you would give to a newly pregnant mom do not people please when it comes to your pregnancy and birth do not and especially as women um we've been raised to people please to take into consideration everybody's feelings around us and that we come fucking last and people still take that people pleasing to their births right and they start listening to what their friends are telling them to what their partners are telling them to what their family is telling them and they start sabotaging their own birth slowly but surely already as they're pregnant right because maybe so there i can't tell you how many times people have said i really want a home birth but my partner mm. is that's not my, supportive and i have to go to the hospital that's me what? that was Bitch. me no i'm should i i wish you i wish i would have asked you this question eight years ago because it's literally exactly what but i it's did like, i people pleased but but because because then there's the under the 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 other layer that like if I solely make this decision and I don't listen to my partner and something happens again, it's going to be on me. Well, it's mm-hmm. almost it's almost takes the responsibility off of you in ways too, though, because if something does go wrong at the hospital, it's the hospital's fault. It's not my fault. Absolutely. It's know? that radical responsibility that we were talking about. But it's like if you want to be a mom, you better get ready to have radical <clears> responsibility. But also you have to have those conversations with your partner of like, I'm the one who's giving birth. 
to this child, you have entrusted me to take care of this child in the womb, right? And to eat healthy and to move my body and do all these things, but you don't, you don't fucking trust me to give birth to our child. How does that fucking pan out? Right. You know what I mean? I'm lucky enough that I'm married to someone that anytime I wanted to do something, he was like, you know what, babe? It's your body. You're the one that has to give birth to this baby. I trust you, and I'm on board with whatever it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. I got lucky in that aspect. But I also wanted found a partner, right? I manifested that of, right. like, I need to find a partner that's going to back me up on a lot of shit, right? So it's almost a part of the a defect of the relationship, mm-hmm. and it bubbles to the fucking surface. Yeah. And it's like, well, how do you think parenting is going to work out for you once the baby's born? If you can't, if you can't even, if you be can't on the even same agree page, on this shit, right? Then, or even if your partner's not even open to learning, because there's so many partners that aren't. They're like, I don't want to hear none of it. I don't want the education. I don't want shit. You know? And it's like, why? Because they 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 go with the idea that like the doctor knows best. No, well, that well, the doctor knows best. They're all they're also grooming their partner to be that mom that has to take care of everything. You mm-hmm. got it. You're the mom. You got it. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. You got it. Do what I say. You know, and it's like, I, it's being able to make that decision early on, no matter how young you are, it's really a lesson in just how you really have to be radically ready to make these huge choices. Because, yes, the first choice is the giving birth in the hospital, right? Like, or not in the hospital. Like, I'm not going to give birth in the hospital. I'm going to go against my family. I'm going to do what my my intuition is telling me to do. And then you give birth and then you realize, like, oh, shit. Like, I also have to be radically ready to be a fucking mom and mm-hmm. make decisions for my child because I can't people please. You cannot be a mom and be people pleasing. No. You you can. But, but it doesn't work out it in doesn't your favor work. generally. And yeah. all the people that were there telling you all this shit are not there helping you take care of it's the fucking the child lesson. after the fact. It's the like, first where the fuck lesson. Is everybody at now? It's literally the first lesson and you have to figure this shit out on you your own. You have to figure it out on it's your own. It's all on you. Therefore, don't let someone else decide your fucking birth plan. Yes, absolutely. And like plan for if things do go in a different direction, right? Because we can plan to have a home birth all we want. But again, nature has their own fucking plan for you sometimes. So it's like if there is a transfer to the hospital and there is a change of plans, you have to stay participating in your care. How am I choosing to move forward with this? If I am going to need some type of augmentation or an induction, you need to stay participating in that every single step of the way and you can turn all that shit off if if you if you want to right nothing's nothing's permanent you know but i think it's the loss of control is what makes people feel like shit right because then you're just like fuck it whatever all this shit's just happening to you not with you not to exactly and because we're mammals and we have all these hormones we have tend to be friend. We have trauma bonding. There are all these things that can potentially happen that we're not even realizing is happening in those moments. And then you get a year away from the birth. The oxytocin wears off. Mm-hmm. The fog is fucking clearing. And you're like, holy fuck, what happened? What the fuck happened? Was I even there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think that's why it is very important to train your partner and to like so they know like because sometimes maybe you're not we won't be in the position to advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so your partner needs to be like on the same page 100%. as you so they can 
walk the doctor outside or whatever the fuck and say, listen here, motherfucker, this is what we're doing, you know, because they will take advantage of you once you're there. Once you're like in the hospital setting, it's so easy to go down this like spiral of whatever they want, what they want to like, what they want to happen. And like, even, you know, like the people pleasing is so real. There was a time, like even when I was, I, I knew from the beginning I wanted to have a home birth and I, my mom had all types of shit to say. And my, my number one thing was nobody say shit to me about what you want for my pregnancy. I don't give a fuck. We're not talking about it. Right. It's not up for debate. My mom's like, you're crazy. Doesn't fucking matter. And the more you let people like actively have these conversations with you, the more you start to question your intuition and question what you're doing and if it's the right decision. And it's like, that's why you, you and your partner really need to be like heavily on the same page because heavily. the doctor's going to try and change your mind. Your mother-in-law, you're like, all types of sh- all types of people are going to tell you they know better than you, right. even though it's your fucking body. And 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 like you said, like the people pleasing starts so early in in, in girls, you know. And like it it, co- it goes all the way back to like, okay, well, I, I, he took me out to eat and it's late, so fuck it, I'm gonna fuck him, right? You know, like he's yeah. asked me seventeen times, just fuck it, like just lay here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like it starts it starts that early, and then like you yes. said, like the groom it's earlier than that. That rolls and that ro- rolls right into the birth yeah. room. Yep. You're I mean, in just- that bed. You're you're fucking tired. You're emotionally exhausted. And here's you a, don't know what to do and next. Here's your, man, and here's your man doctor that's never given right. fucking birth and then one time in his life, right. and then telling you what you need to do. This person that walks in, and the hospital clearly lets you know who's in the hierarchy. Right? You got the person who's in the gown. You're at the bottom. Right. Not the hierarchy. Right. Then you have the nurse. The nurse is wearing their fucking outfit that shows you who's next. Mm. Then you have the white coat that walks in and they're like, whoa. Right. And so they're already putting this costume together for you to, to strip you of shit immediately. Mm. Right. And so now this person comes into the room and you're like, just fucking get this baby out and done. Right. I'm get me the fuck out of done. here. Like, let and me that's get- not yeah. consent. No. That's not informed consent. And this is why having support. In those systems, even at home, at birth centers, is so crucial and vital to be able to say time out. What, time fucking out. Was your journey to, like, to your doulahood, is that a word? To, is, was your journey to birth, like, being a birth educator, was it because of the experience you had giving birth? Or was it something you've always been interested in? You know, when I was small, we lived in an apartment complex. And one of our neighbors had a very, very fast birth, and gave birth to her baby on the couch. And that was my first witness of seeing a woman just by herself just roar her baby out. And that left a really huge, like, big impression on me. Like, I could cry just thinking about it. And seeing that at such a young age, I was like, birth is fucking amazing. Like, our bodies are incredible. Her body was just doing what it needed to do, right? And then when I had my first baby, I was very naive. I was young. I didn't know my body. I didn't know pregnancy. And I thought that I was going to be able to just go into the hospital and just say, hey, I just want A, B, and C. Turns out it wasn't that fucking easy when I got there. Nobody there was making it easy for me to do the things that I wanted to do. And I ended up giving birth the way the system wanted me to give birth. And by the time my baby was born, I felt so disconnected from him. Like, I felt like someone handed me a stranger's baby. Mm. Now take care of it. And I was just like, wow. Okay? Like, you know you love this child, but there's also a layer of connection. And that connection wasn't there. And it took me time to really build that connection with with the baby. Right? And so after, and I just felt funny in my gut. 
I was like, this shit just feels funny. Why do I feel like this? Like, just the way that I was treated and how it unfolded just doesn't feel fucking right, you know? And that's when I started this discovery of, like, looking at things and what are doulas and pregnancy and, like, home births. Wow, like, midwives go to your house and there's birth centers and all of this stuff. And so that kind of launched me into um, being a birth worker, Mm. right? But in that meantime, I was a stripper for six years full time. So I was shaking my ass and titties in the club, giving lap dances while my heart was yearning to like be be with people and, and help them birth their babies. Right. But like stripping also was a layer of building my autonomy. Mm, I can see that. Of taking charge of my body. Like, no, don't touch me. Yeah. No, I don't want to give you a lap dance. Yeah. Well, I want to play a game of trigger with you because I uh, wow, I, I didn't know. That's a fun fact we didn't know about Flora Cruz, former mm. stripper. <laughs> <laughs> former stripper turned birth worker. <laughs> we have a game on our show called Trigger and um what we do is we just say a word and you say the first thing that comes to mind and it, okay. it allows us and our audience to kind of get to know you quickly. Ooh, okay. Um I should have put stripper on here, but I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Don't overthink it. Let's do it. Okay. okay. Love. Sex. Marriage. Work. Sex while your kid is home. Ooh, sneaky. <laughs> fingering ass or licking ass? Ooh, fingering ass. Pregnancy sex. Yummy. I had none of that. Oh, God. See, this is oh, I had the best orgasms when I was pregnant. You were really? horny yeah. on all of the pregnancies? Oh, so good. You were yes. horny. Wow. Yes. Oh, wow. Jesus. I know nothing of this life. <laughs> <laughs> Religion. Is non-existent for me. In vitro. Science. Orgasmic birth. Oh. Normal. Favorite trait about yourself? I would say my resilience. Well, now i got to add this. Stripper song? (laughs) Stripper song. (laughs) You know, I I dance to a lot of, like, slower songs and rock. um, I wouldn't say I was, like, a crazy type like on stage I was more of like sensual like I wore like cute lingerie like dresses Mm. and like because I wanted to appeal to a certain type of customer Mm. and a lot of those customers that had a lot of funds and wanted to be regular customers really wanted more um women who were smart who were able to hold a conversation who were able to ask them about their day, make them feel good. It wasn't necessarily about lap dances. It was just like, come talk to me and I'll pay you for your time. Mm. So it was almost like that was playing into the customers that I wanted to attract. Mm. Versus walking out in a bikini and just shaking your ass right. and jumping all over the pole. At that, t- <laughs> at that time, would have attracted customers who were like, here's 20 bucks. Mm. You know what I mean? Can right. I get your number? Can right. I fuck later? Like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Talk, you're build, you're kind of marinating, exactly. building it up, building it up. Exactly. What about cannabis and pregnancy? I think cannabis... Wait, actually, actually, we should... Oh. I'm gonna, we're gonna hold that for Patreon. Okay. I know that's like a... It could be a touchy subject for people, like smoking weed during yeah. pregnancy and during like like uh, breastfeeding so like we'll mm-hmm. we'll we'll answer that question get your your feedback okay then. i have lots of thoughts so if you're on not that. part of our patron community you better go ahead and click the link in this episode <laughs> description and join our patreon at good moms bad choices because that's a question we get asked a lot about mm-hmm. cannabis and pregnancy like i can't at least once a week i get Seriously. dms all the time but you yeah. know why people ask you that a lot because you're you you feel safe to people well good 
That's true. Come feel you're, safe on you're Patreon. Your source of safety. <laughs> your source of safety for them because that's not something that people talk about openly. Well, I think people. Yeah, I mean, I, I've 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 said openly that I've I smoked weed while I was pregnant. So I think also people like yeah, in my DMs like, hey, I heard you say. I don't know why I'm doing the whisper voice because it's in the DM, but I feel I always feel like they're whispering to me. <laughs> <laughs> on whisper mode in yeah. the DMs. <laughs> Is that even possible? <laughs> it should be. Um, love or money? Love. Because money, you, you can always fucking come by. Giver or receiver? Receiver. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Most toxic trait? Ooh, I get mad so fast. <laughs> oh, fucking quick. What's your sign? With the quickness, Capricorn. Oh, oh really? Capy, Capy, Capricorn. Are you into astrology? No. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. Um, hospital birth. Yes. Most pain you've been in that wasn't physical? Oh, most pain. Probably when my son had a seizure and I, it hurt me to not be able to help him. Mm. Like, just on an emotional level, just, like, really painful. And then just all the poking and prodding that the hospital wanted to do just, like, really hurt me so bad. Mm, I can imagine. When you see your baby. Oh, my God. It's just, just, like, one of the most helpless things I've ever been through. Pet peeve. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Which which fucking one, bro? Like, my husband's over there. He's over there laughing. (laughs) Look, 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 look. Um, my biggest pet pet peeve, I would say, is God damn, I hate it when a dude is a surrogate husband to his mama. Mm. <laughs> so, mama's boy, I can't fucking stand a that surrogate shit. Husband. I fucking really can't stand that emotional incest shit. <laughs> emotional incest, emotional fucking incest. <laughs> that man's already married, girl. Leave him alone. Right, right. <laughs> He's married to his mom. <laughs> oh no, that happens though. <laughs> well, speaking of that, childhood. Um, trauma. Mm. Your childhood was traumatic? I would say, yeah, for me it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, therapy? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a good thing. Uh, masturbation. Oh, it's a necessity. Do you masturbate on your own? Like, aside from your husband? I did this what? morning. Where was he at? Yeah. He was watching TV. <laughs> I love that. The hotel room had like the hand handle thing, and I was and I came out of the bathroom. I'm oh, like, in the shower! I'm like, just so you know, like the the pressure on that handle thing was not quite strong enough. But, like, but a bitch really did try. <laughs> just so you know, just updating FYI. you. <laughs> love language, food, mm, food. Um, more kids. Hell no. You're done? <laughs> Absolutely not. You're done. Um, favorite sex position? I like the spooning position a lot. Mm. I just, I don't know. It just feels it's, so it's, much better in that position. And I just feel like there's a lot more, uh, like, contact with the person. Mm-hmm. It feels like a morning sex, like, position. Yeah. Like, it, feels, it feels very loving. Yeah. Yes. It's roll over and stick it in. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hardly awake. It, it it also requires yeah it doesn't require a lot of energy we're, all, we're both just like <laughs> we're resting sex <laughs> my husband already knows when he sees the booties like <laughs> yeah well we all yeah that's that's what you know you just like poke it out a little bit you just kind of keep rubbing it on. exactly exactly <laughs> wake up nigga <laughs> oh my gosh um favorite position during pregnancy 
Doggy, definitely. Mm. Yes, definitely. Doggy. Yeah, it just feels like the penetration was a lot deeper and like it like your cervix is so full of like blood at that time mm. and it's sensitive and it just felt like deep penetration felt so good and like you just reach down and like stimulate yourself. Yeah, I was I was really bummed when the pregnancy was over. I was like, "Well, there goes all my good orgasms." <laughs> Because it, cause it's for me, it was like a hundred times more intense oh. during pregnancy. It was like out of this world. Give me that pregnancy. It like blew sex. me to the fucking moon. Wow. Last question. Biggest regret. Biggest regret. Um, my biggest regret was definitely um, not standing up for myself, maybe a little bit more when I had my C section. Mm. Yeah, that's probably one of my my biggest regrets. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm curious because you know you said you were pregnant. I'm not pregnant. You said you were still sexual during um, pregnancy, mm-hmm. and then you know after pregnancy you had babies quickly after. So yeah. you were sexually active, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I was. And I think a lot of women, you know, they they struggle with that. They struggle with trying to get back into um, their bodies and feeling like their bodies their body is theirs mm-hmm. um, post pregnancy. What? What what did you do, or what what was the thing that kind of allowed you to kind of stay in in that mindset and allow your body to still want to receive after you know giving so much? Because I think a lot of women are like, "There's no way I want to be touched after pregnancy." Like, what was the right. thing that? What do you or what do you think was the thing that still allows you to want to be intimate? Right. Um, well, one, there's a lot of layers here, but if you had any type of like traumatic birth. That is a whole layer that you are adding on to trying to get back into your own skin. Um, Because even someone just putting their fingers inside of your body to check your cervix when it's you don't want it, it's not a medical necessity, or someone didn't even ask for your informed consent, what do we call that? Assault. 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 (laughs) Rape. And so we have a lot of this rape culture that has leaked into the birth room, and then we send people home with their babies and go, now get back to fucking right. right. Now serve your husband. I really did. Yeah. Now he's, serve he's your already husband. waited a long six right, weeks. Right, because you haven't been wanting to have sex with him the whole pregnancy, and you know, poor thing. You know, poor him. Poor you him. Know I mean? Like fuck that. You know, he's waited so long. I would he's say, gonna cheat on you if you don't get to it soon. I would say I didn't feel like right back into my own body until I had like my first like V back where I felt. Like, really, like, a lot more in control, educated, made decisions for myself. My partner was really educated, really on board with me, there with me every step of the way. So that was a a layer of connection more that I had with him, more bonding that I had with him, that he showed up in a space of, like, protecting me, being my king, you know, protecting me and protecting his child. And so after you have the baby, I am just was looking at him with googly eyes, just like, I fucking love you so much. And I'm so horny right now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like you have to have your your partner in that capacity, if you have a partner, of showing up for you in that space to allow you to show up, you know, as a person, right? Because usually when someone has a baby, their whole fucking identity is being a fucking mother after that. Mm-hmm. And they do that so it's hor- I can't stand it because they go into your room every t- two minutes after you have a baby. Hey, mama. Hey, mama. Hey, mama. Hey, mama. Hey, mama. Like, I have a name. I'm a person. My whole identity is not being a fucking mother now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we, we almost strip people of that as soon as they 
enter parenthood. Oh my God, it's so true. And it's so normalized. Like, no one asks about you anymore, despite the fact that you just birthed this baby. They're only asking about the kid. Right! And you know what? Like, after I gave birth, there was this feeling of, like you said, like being poked and like you're just like a machine. Yeah. I remember like someone being in the room and my legs just being sprawled open and I I didn't even give a fuck. Like, I didn't even feel like I was there. Like, no one cared that I was there. And I think Mm -hmm. there is like a level of like ritual that has to take place in your body. Like, in whatever it is for you, to, in order like f- for you and your pussy first and foremost so that you can like be still stay connected to it in that mm-hmm. process during pregnancy after birth because especially when you go to the hospital there's there things are being done to you and then you're just like it's like i said it's like you're d- disconnected from your bottom half you're just like mm-hmm. there and it becomes a portal of information for people well, I think too, especially if you don't have if you don't have a partner, like say you're having having your child as a single mom, or mm-hmm. you you know shit happens, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't have that support. Like how how do you get back into your body? And I think a lot of it is is through ritual. Yeah. And you know we have this beautiful golden vagina. I don't know if you if you're on YouTube right now, you can <laughs> it's see a beautiful this vulva, co- this chrome <laughs> vulva. I'm so proud of it. I ordered it from Australia. It took 40,000 days to get here. Jesus fucking Christ. Literally, I was waiting for weeks. Did it come on horse and carriage or what? It, it sh- I mean, it looks like it could have, right? <laughs> it looks like it got delivered. This is the most beautiful crimson vulva I've, I think I've ever seen in life. You see my pink clit? It's beautiful. And it opens up and like I got it for tantra school, but it's pretty much one of my most prized possessions now that I waited 90 days. But yeah, like I think even we've been having it in the office and people are like, oh, I'm like, yeah, what do you, you think this is? It's the Yoni office. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, and they and, act like they don't watch porn. Like you watch porn on a regular like you, basis. But everybody's like, me honest. Like everybody came <laughs> through this portal, you guys get like get acquainted and especially you as yourself get acquainted with your look in the fucking mirror look, look at in it. the mirror and you know people have rituals for like their skincare routine their workout routine but we don't have rituals for our most intimate part the part that really a is the portal of life builds confidence i always tell people when you feel confident in this part of your in your womb in your vulva like it inevitably affects all parts of your life. Right. You just walk with a different sense of confidence. And I'm just so grateful for Honeypot. Honeypot has gift, given us this, all these amazing products to create your own rituals. And, and I've been creating the rituals, baby. Girl, they have this <laughs> Amberwood Sandalwood Foaming Wash, which is amazing. Um, it keeps your pH balanced. It feels amazing on your most intimate parts. And, and then the next step would be using... Organic Moisturizing Lubricant. Not only is it lubing you up but it's moisturizing your labia and most people don't put a lot of time and effort into moisturizing their labia but it could get dry and it's important to keep it moisturized i love this shit it smells so good too i like this this is the sensual stimulating serum and i love this because it actually it it activates the sensations more so if you are someone that maybe suffers with not i don't want to say suffers but struggles with numbness because that can be a thing especially after a pregnancy this product right here the sensual stimulating serum is amazing for that and it has vitamin e aloe peppermint and then last but not least when you finally get to fucking <laughs> or coming <laughs> hopefully coming fucking or coming um these intimacy wipes, they're also pH balanced, um, so you're not going to be using no, your nasty little rag that some <laughs> some your someone's son, nasty son, <laughs> has in their little drawer next to their bed. 
No, I just love how Honeypot has put so much effort into really creating and helping women create rituals around connecting back to their womb, connecting back to their vulva, connecting back to themselves, because ultimately that is really, really builds so much more confidence and is one of the ways you start building autonomy in your body and being able to advocate for yourself because you're connecting to yourself and you're not ashamed of what your body can do. So I'm going to start asking women like, you know, I was like, oh my God, what's your skincare routine? Your skin looks bomb. It does really look bomb. I'm be like, what's your Volvo routine? Yeah. If you don't, oh, you don't have one. You don't have one. That's crazy. Let me, let me, that, that's kind of crazy. You should go to honeypot.co slash GMBC and get 25% off and step up your ritual with your, um, Volvo care. So. I think I'm going to start doing like YouTube videos. You know how they're like, step one. I'm going to be like, I'm going to use my golden yoni. Like, step one. You could. You know, like, you first you wipe, you know? Step one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Normalize having vagina care. Vagina rituals with honey pot. I mean, maybe if I would have had a ritual, I would have wanted to have sex after pregnancy. But I really, I literally felt so, I, I didn't have, I maybe had sex four times during my pregnancy not counting really and I had to force myself and then after pregnancy again I had so much shame because I hadn't had sex during pregnancy and now the baby wasn't in me anymore and I still didn't want to have sex and I couldn't understand why because I was attracted to my partner of course not you were stripped of bodily autonomy yeah that's gonna be the repercussion but of I that. but I know ne- I didn't even associate it with that I just was like I'm just tired and this is just normal and mm-hmm. you know I, you know, and I was looking at my partner. I was like, I do want to have sex with you. I just maybe like later, maybe tomorrow. We'll just try in four days. And people, a lot of parents are really burnt the fuck out. Like a lot oh. of these daddies are not stepping in and helping in the middle of the night. Um, they're forcing people to do all the child rearing all on their own. That's not fucking sexy. That no. is not fucking sexy. It's single par- single parenting in a marriage or in a partnership is, is like, the it's, worst. it's almost worse than just being prepared it's to be a single parent. Well, that's the thing too, is like for the men that are complaining about their women after birth, not wanting to fuck, like what are you doing to make Nothing. them want they're to fuck? They're not doing the dishes. They're like, not vacuuming. They're not doing laundry, something has, feeding you. Not some, getting up in the middle of the night. Something has changed. Like a big thing has happened. Whatever you used to fucking do probably ain't gonna work no more, sir. Mm-hmm. You don't just get to roll up with a hard dick. Mm-mm. No. Like, you need to massage me. You need to light some candles, set the mood, make me feel sexy. Because a lot mm-hmm. of times that's a big part of it, too, is that we don't feel sexy in this new body that we have. And it's and you might think we feel sexy but or look sexy, but we really need that validation and we need really need that love and we need that care. And I think addition extra. Yeah. Go above and beyond. It's necessary. Because if someone's just (laughs) fucking you and being done, then they're just using you to masturbate. Right. I'm like, I'm not a fucking, they're just using your pussy as a way to masturbate. They're not really, you know, getting to that level with you and giving you what you need. And it's traumatic. Like I remember feeling after giving birth, like, Everybody was using me, like taking from me. My mm-hmm. baby was sucking me fucking dry. People kept, like, no one was asking about me and, like, taking and taking and taking. And then my fucking baby daddy asked me for some head, and I literally almost fucking killed him. Yeah. I couldn't believe that he had that fucking audacity that was- to ask me for some more shit. And right. I was just like, I couldn't believe it. Like I, it took, like, I felt so disconnected from my body. And it does. It takes, like, Levels of intimacy, just like kissing, like, yes. you know, affirmations, like maybe talk to my pussy nice. I don't know. She's been through a lot. Lots has right. happened here. I'm fucking confused. And that was the thing. I, I, I wasn't expecting to feel that like 
disconnected from my body after giving birth. I was just like, what the fuck just happened? Well, people have normalized that, though, that disconnection as well. Because no, w- women are not it. talking about it. No. Like, afterwards, your pussy hurts when you laugh. Yeah, I had no fucking idea. Or you idea. might pee on yourself after a C-section and not know why you peed on yourself <laughs> or feel it. Yeah. Um, as a doula, is this is some is this something kind of like you ever touch on with your clients? Like the after, like I'm, I'm sure you do aftercare, right? But like connecting back with their bodies and like getting back into, I guess, feeling like yeah. Themselves again. And I usually start with asking them, "What is it that you need that you're not getting right now?" And it's usually a whole ton of shit, the floodgates open of all these things that they're needing and wanting that they're not getting from their family, their their friends, um, the people that they work for. Um, there's so much, mm. right? Because you can't just have a wet pussy on command. Like, that requires certain fucking elements to be in place. You know what I mean? And so that's where I start with them is what is it that you need that you're not getting in this mm. moment? Mm. Let's try to fix that. That's a, that's a big question. I, you know, I, I, that's a part of like as part of our tantra training is like nonviolent communication, and it's like how do I feel, observing how you feel, and then asking what like, and then what do I need to bring mm-hmm. myself to like a ten spot? And it's like for women, we're so we're not often asked what is it that you need, mm-hmm. and so when someone poses the question, you're like literally fucking confused. Some people don't know. Yeah, they're, they're like, like I, have oh, no, I, I don't. I, know. I don't even know that I could have needs because <laughs> they're used to being givers. Honestly. Their whole their whole lives, right? And right. everything everything in their family unit is contingent on you giving two hundred percent at all times, not receiving. Yeah, um, you know we forgot to ask you earlier in the show, but we always ask our guests uh, if you have a affirmation for our listeners. My affirmation is: birth is as normal as life gets. Birth, birth is, is as, as normal, normal as, as life, life gets. gets. That's true. Yeah. Nobody. It's a normal bodily function. None of us would be here. It's a normal bodily function. People give birth, thousands of them, every day by the second. It's a normal thing. It's a normal process. I mean, we've normalized watching porn. Should we normalize watching birth videos? 100%. <laughs> 100%. Normalize watching birth videos as much as you watch porn. <laughs> I, I like. I forced Orlando to watch my birth video when we were just dating. I was like, hey, Look at this. Something. <laughs> and he's, he's like, he, I don't, he, I don't, he like totally unsolicited, did not ask for this shit at all. And then I'm, he watched it and he called me like 15 minutes later, like, I'm crying. I was like, <laughs> I know, right? It's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> Sex, death, and birth are all within the same realm. Mm. And the veil's very thin mm. yes. between all of them. And so that can also be a reason why people are so scared of it. Because it's close to death. It's, it's just, just in this thing all together. I think one thing too that people don't always have a real understanding is is like how how much does having a, a doula cost? Like I think people think either it's for people that can't afford to go to the hospital or it's a luxury, mm-hmm. and that it's like this thing that's beyond their means. And I think I'm, I'm just curious, like what is an average going price just for someone who's listening that's maybe considering hiring a doula? That's going to depend on where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, what skills the doula actually has because some doulas have had extra training like in spinning babies and things like that they have these extra tools that they have um but i would say maybe the going rate is anywhere from like 700 to 1500 which for a lot of families that's a lot of fucking money Mm -hmm. right that's for a lot of families that's not um accessible so you have to ask yourself um 
can I find a doula within my community that can help me if if you are low income and can't find the funds? There are lots of doulas who do do community work who will um, do a sliding scale for you. Um, I've definitely done work for free for some people that just didn't have the money and really needed the support, like single mothers who really had no support system. Um, and bartering. Do you have something that you can barter? I'll do right? lashes. I've had people barter me lawyer services. Mm. Like, what you need, girl? You got some criminal shit. You got like, you need to clean up contracts. Some, you need some, bread. Some records. Like, what you <laughs> like? What do you want? What can I barter you for doula services? So, like, yeah, definitely barter. What do you have to offer? Right. There's lots of doulas who will be like, fuck yeah. That's so important too. Just asking about the price point of like a doula. Even like, like I said, I was broke. I really wanted to have a home birth, but I didn't have like the five grand. But it was only five grand back then. I know now it's like nine. I mean, it ranges, but like, mm-hmm. and and like the system doesn't make it accessible because you can't get a doula or a midwife with insurance because they'd they want to. You know, it's a system, obviously, but just like the fact, like. The, like the hospital price for a birth is like 30 grand that they charge your insurance. And like it, it's actually significantly lower to have a midwife, but because Medicare or Medicaid or most of these health insurances will not cover it, people just say, fuck it. I don't have, like, I'm already planning on having a baby. I don't have an extra fucking five or 10 grand. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money That's when you're planning to have a baby and right. you got to have a nursery and like, you know, and like all these other things. But it's just like, again, they make it so difficult to, to trust your body and do the to do the thing that's most comes most natural right. to us. And these insurance companies don't even understand that if they gave made midwifery care more accessible, that would lower how much they're fucking spending. Right, because you're like, literally you guys would be spending less if you guys made midwifery care accessible because physiological birth there's not a lot of money in that. Right, and that's why, because you don't really need to do that. Your body's just doing what it needs to do. (laughs) Exactly. But if we keep living in the space of thinking that midwives are unintelligent and dirty and dangerous, then this is where it's all going to lead us, right? But, like, consider if you don't have the money, the funds for a doula, reaching out to someone who does community work in your area. And if you're having a baby shower, Ask these folks to to kick in on on a doula. Mm, Hey, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Um, Add to and my start really thinking yeah. about like the things that you're buying. A lot of that stuff you're not going to use for your baby. You don't need half that shit, right? You're spending like three hundred dollars on. You don't need a fucking white you know, warmer. Things are, exactly. The baby like, will be that's fine. That's money that can go to to some somewhere else if you really wanted it to. And a lot of these doulas will take payments. When I was when like I I guess Luna might have been like two, but I was doing lashes and like I had a mobile spa, so I was doing lashes at people's houses, and I was doing this woman's lashes, and it was like a nice white family in the suburbs, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have to hurry up and um, wrap this up because they're coming to um." Yeah, she was talking to her husband. Like they're they're coming to baby proof the house. Yeah, we spent like three thousand dollars baby proofing the house. I was like, "Bitch!" I was like. White people are crazy. crazy I, had, like, I had a glass table. The baby figured it the fuck out. Okay. Like yeah. and she was feeling around like humans tend to do. I'm like, so they're coming over to put those little plastic <laughs> things in all the plugs. Yep. You're For paying st- someone to do something. Literally. That I, was like, I was like, I was like, I'm in the wrong motherfucking business. <laughs> I, can't, I couldn't even believe there was a service that came to baby yes. proof the fucking house. There's services for damn near everything, everything well, Because right we now. live in fear. Everything, everything. is fearful. Everything is going to hurt us, harm us, or kill us. 
And, and, and we and we allow the fear to penetrate. Yeah. We allow the anxiety, like, and that's the core of it. We can't do anything. Everything is outside of us. Is what they want us to believe, including birth. Right, right. Even though it literally is inside of us. Literally. <laughs> well, they don't want us to know how figuratively to, how strong. <laughs> Imagine if if they allowed people to realize how strong and capable they are. That's it's really like, fucking dangerous. It's kind of like psychedelic. Think about it. That's really dangerous. You like know, they don't want bitches to know the, really the, how strong and capable they, you are. They don't. No. It's just no. like they took away mushrooms and LSD. They're like, we can't let them know that they have pa- like we can't let them have access to this psychedelic that's gonna let them know that like they are god <laughs> never <laughs> you know what i mean Absolutely we need to keep not. them accessing only that two percent of their brain exactly <laughs> i mean honestly birth is like the the supreme natural psychedelic you start to be like oh shit a bitch i'm on fire i am superhuman i don't need none of this shit take these cords off of me <laughs> exactly <laughs> get me off this monitor bitch i don't need this goddamn Absolutely. iv i'm hydrated you know you get so cl- <laughs> like for real you get so clear after birth like if you're empowered in it yeah um but speaking of fear i know you're you're wondering about your tarot card reading yeah i was like mm. We should pull the, that the six of pentacles. It looks like a rich man is like giving crumbs to the to the homeless. Well, am, I the, am I the crumb giver or the crumb taker? <laughs> Which see. one am I? <laughs> That's what I want to know. It looks like he has lots of wealth to share. Okay. Knowledge. Okay. It says giving, receiving, sharing wealth, generosity, and charity. So um, you may be like the wealthy man in this card, sharing your wealth and abundance with others as nice. you are. You have, acu- you have accumulated great wealth and are now in a position to offer financial assistance to those in need. You give generously through charitable donations, tithing, of- or fundraising and enjoy the good feelings associated with helping others. Even if you are not financially wealthy, you offer up your time, energy, love, and support to those who are in need. Knowing it will be appreciated. Giving of your time or your wisdom is often just as spiritually fulfilling as giving away money or gifts. Yes. And the intangible gift of your presence is received just as well, if not better. There may be times when you wonder if you can truly afford to give generously to others. And the wise advice of the Six of Pentacles is to trust that every contribution you make is valued and will come back threefold. And you are. You are giving us the wealth of empowered birth yeah well y'all bitches are gonna have to read my cards more often because that shit was pretty was pretty spot on girl every single time there's like literally every single time at least i know i'm not the the crumb catcher no i could have told you that that not be me yeah (laughs) and i also saw that you you have a doula program as well so you're paying it forward like we have a i'm sorry a mentorship a mentorship yeah i'm starting my first mentorship um, program um i just feel like I can reach more people in that capacity if I'm passing down my knowledge to other doulas that can spiral into thousands of people um, utilizing that. How long is the program? I wanted to be a doula. <clears throat> it's a mentorship that's four months. Oh, okay. And so a lot of the doulas who are coming into the program are like newer, um, trying to find themselves as a doula, what they want to offer, what kind of clients they would like to manifest for themselves, um, the business side of it. How do I start getting clients? Um, And even a lot of the other stuff that people don't want to talk about, which is what do we do with secondary trauma? What do we do with racism? Mm -hmm. Right. What do we do with someone losing their baby and having a poor outcome? What do we do with um, feeling like you're hundred percent responsible for someone's birth? What do we do with what all that? What do you do with that? Those are big emotions. What do you do with that? Really big emotions. I mean. What, what do the doctors do? 
Keep, keep, they just go see you in six weeks. Yeah, exactly. Do you have, what before we leave? Because I know we got to get out of here. I'm just curious. What is like a, the what is the type of client that you would take on versus the one you wouldn't as a doula? Like, is there a client? <laughs> have you been clients? Have you been clients where you're like, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, the kind of client that I wouldn't take on if someone someone thinks that having their birth is 100% contingent on me getting that for them, mm. right? If they're trying to hand over the responsibility to me to unravel their fear, to unravel their traumas, um, I can't do none of that for you. Like, that's all work that's within you that you have to unravel. Can I guide you to those places and sh- and give you a map? Surely I can, but I can't do that, right? Like, I can't pick your provider for you, right? And so... I don't, I tend to not pick clients that want to hand over all that responsibility to me um, or clients that I've had one lady ask me one time, man, I wanted to flip the fucking table. <laughs> she said, <laughs> she said, so if I don't have a vaginal birth, do I get to pay you less? What? Bitch. I was like, bitch, bye. Girl, bye. Cal- <laughs> but as of now, my calendar is full. <laughs> See you never. But you know what? I think people underestimate women don't really realize the the amount of trauma that comes out, comes up during pregnancy. It could be like relationship with your mom, like, you know, like how, you know, how you were parented. Like there, there's shadow work that is required, you know, during pregnancy and yes. after that, like, I, that people don't really put a, like shed a lot of light on. No. So I'm I'm happy you said that. There's yes. a, there's a responsibility yeah. that you have as you know the birther to you know dig into some shit that maybe you ignored before. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's like sexual trauma. Yes. Sometimes it's like you know parental shit. You know your relationship with your parents. But there are definitely um, it's a spiritual like it's a spiritual journey. Birth. It's a human experience. Yes. It's gonna uncover all the pieces of you that you thought you had buried really fucking deep. And it, it could potentially bring up memories that you didn't know were there before. And all of it could be unraveling in the middle as you're trying to give birth. And so I do have those conversations with my clients previous to them giving birth. Is there anything you want to tell me? Do you have any traumas, any experiences, anything that you want to talk to me about that we can start unraveling now? Because it's going to be harder for me to help you when we're doing it in the moment of you giving birth and it's not going to be as helpful in the moment. Any fear stored in your body and your womb, that shit will come up when you're on a table or wherever Mm -hmm. and you don't feel empowered. It will like trigger some feelings from like maybe a time you didn't feel empowered in your body. So yeah, I think that's like something that we don't talk about enough. That is super important. And you have to create an extra space. If you know that you're going into your birth with these these layers, you have to create a bigger space of safety with your team, which is talking to them of, I don't want you touching me unless I give full informed consent. I don't want your hands inside of my vagina. I don't want strangers in the room. I do not want the lights on. I do not want to hear any sounds. Uh, setting real lines in the sand, mm-hmm. right? Because one birth is really simple, but it's also very complex, and any one little thing can completely stop or slow the labor and sabotage the whole fucking thing. Right. So we have to be really protective in that space. Mm. <sighs> it makes me almost want to do it again. I want. I'm, I'm, I'm I, like ni- like half. Don't tell Orlando, but like half the reason I want to do it is so I can have a home birth. Yeah. I already told him like I don't really do Why? children. Orlando doesn't want you to have a home birth. No, I. I, I, I that's most reason. Don't I'm, tell Orlando that he. But he's editing this whole episode. <laughs> it's it's more of that. I I want to half the reason I want to have a baby is just to have a home birth. Yeah. Now Are, let me ask you this: What would happen if 
You didn't have a home birth again. I'd, I'd be fine. I mean, I've yeah. done it. And that's the question that I ask a lot of people, too, because they, they want to do over. Oh, yeah. Right? They're like, over. I want to do it. Like, I just want it to be how I wanted it the first time. And I have to ask them, what is, are you going to spiral if it doesn't work out the mm. way you want it to? Right. Because that's a possibility, mm. right? Because nature's going to, nature. Do its do. <laughs> nature's yeah. going to do its thing. Nature will nature. Right? But if you stay participating in your care, when if the shift happens, right, like it'll make us feel better about the outcome, right? Because that was definitely a thought in my mind. Like, sure, I wanted a V back, but what if I don't get my V back? Right. How right. the fuck am I gonna feel? Like right. I don't. And even till now, I'm like I don't even know what would have happened to me if I would have had another C section. I really don't know. Right. I think I would have really spiraled. Right. To right. be quite honest. Right. And so that's if that's the possibility. How do we move with that? Mm. How do we move with that? Because a lot of people go into their pregnancies going, my body just works and everything's just going to be fine. And then it doesn't work. And it's like, I wish I would have never thought that my body just works. You have to just surrender to the birth. You have, you have to, to surrender, surrender to the birth, birth that is, that is yours. For, for that you, is yours. right? But like you have to surrender when you feel like you've ticked all the boxes, yeah. right? Like I'm informed. You, I have I enough did, support. I did everything that I, I know that this time right. I did everything and then, you let it go. and then you let it go. And then you let it go. Yeah. Um, with my home birth, that was definitely the intention that I set for myself was I'm going to do all this leg work. And then when I'm actually in labor, I'm not going to fucking think about anything. I'm just going to give birth and that's going to be it. And that's, the intention that I had, and that's what happened. Nobody even saw my vagina until my baby's head was coming out. I had no cervical exams, nothing. I was just simply moving through the contraction one at a time and not thinking of anything else. Right. I, I, you can't think about much else. That's No. It's not, it's not a lot of brain power happening. You're just No, it. and that's part of the problem with advocating for yourself, right? Because mm. when you're giving birth, you lose this kind of layer of being able to think adequately and make those informed decisions in that moment because you're on this birth planet you're not supposed to come off of that birth planet to make fucking decisions right and dealing with people and coercing you and fear mongering and right all now. this what shit the fuck i'm doing my right. biggest job of all time right now. it's like, the equivalent of like trying to have an orgasm and someone's like here's this algebra yeah <laughs> literally i need like, you like... to come at the same time <laughs> while you're doing this right. algebra like Birth has to take you to the highest capacity of oxytocin that you're ever going to have in your life for this baby to come exit your body out of your vagina. Anything that interrupts that is going to fuck with it. Is going to fuck with it because that's just fucking nature. Because nature goes, wait a minute, is it not safe to give have give birth to this baby? Is there predators out here? Why do we suddenly have adrenaline and cortisol? And why are we thinking about things? What the fuck is going on? Right. Mm -hmm. It's natural. That's true. Well, thank you so much, Floor. This is, I could talk to you forever about birth. I love birth. <laughs> <laughs> I love birth. Um, for those of you listening, we're going we're gonna to stick around a little bit longer and ask Flora a couple after dark questions on Patreon. I also just remembered that my birth video is on Patreon too. <laughs> nice. So if you want to see me give birth, it's beautiful. You'll cry. Um, and you want to hear, you know, Floor shed some light on cannabis and pregnancy and all those good things. Um, be sure to join our Patreon at patreon.com backslash good moms, bad choices. And you know where to find us. Good moms underscore bad. Yeah. Good moms underscore bad choices. And I'm Mila uh, underscore map with two P's. 
And I'm Erica at Watch Erica. And Flora, where can our people find you? Tell them all the things, whatever you want them to know. Um, Badass Mother Birther on Instagram. On Facebook, I am a Badass Mother Page. And I'm also on YouTube. Um, you can go to my website, which is badassmotherbirther.com, and read a whole bunch of other reading materials. Join my mentorship if that's what you want to do. I also do childbirth education, which is Four weeks loaded with information, physiological birth, interventions, how to handle if the plan goes left, C-sections, epidurals, all the good stuff that everybody, I believe, needs to know before they have a baby. Mm-hmm. They do. Well, thank you so, so much. And you guys, I want to remind you guys that we are going back on the road so make sure you click the link in this episode description come to our la show on october 21st uh at the teragram ballroom i'm so excited to turn up with you guys it's been a minute you know our last tour was called was it good mom's gone wild oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and this tour is confessions of a good mom you know we keep it sexy so it's going to be a little naughty. You have anything to confess? Make sure you hit the number in this episode description and call our hotline. Share your horries. We need some horries. Please share your horries. 818-213-0749. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.